Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, what's something that I'm always saying on the podcast? Ooh, well, if it does it have to do with germs, maybe? No, no not that one. Oh, something else. not that? Jeez. Uh, I don't know. It's not the one about websites and how, <laughs> how crappy they can be, and I get or angry about that. our impending doom as humanity. No, no, it's none no, of that stuff. Okay, none no, of that no. good it's, stuff? It's the idea of uh, workplaces yes. providing their employers with technology oh, that is yes. as good or better than what they use in their day-to-day -day lives. That's right. right? right? That, this is true. That's one you I've do. talked about a few times. I, it's, it's a soapbox of yours, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I've, I've clearly, I have many soapboxes <laughs> on this show. You can go through a whole list That's without just, forgetting to that just one. Just one of them, yes. Uh, well, healthcare, I think, is a perfect example of that. I Very mean, good example. You kind of want good technology mm -hmm. for healthcare workers. For sure. I mean, you wouldn't want your doctor to be you know, using leeches on you still. Or good Lord, no. Drilling holes in your skull to release demons or anything I hope like that. I <laughs> We've, I mean, we've advanced medicine, so uh, you know, the technology should be advanced for Really? They drilled too. holes in people's heads to release demons? Yeah, yeah once one okay. time, you know, like, right. I don't know, if you had like a headache or something, or, you know, yeah. I'm sure they're, okay. like, that was how they addressed mental illness back in the day. It probably wasn't as long ago as you think either, sadly. No, I'm, right? It was probably like 30 years ago. Anyway. So, so, bottom line, we want healthcare's tech to be advanced. Yes, on, yes we do. Uh, on the customer-facing side, for sure. as well as on, for them on their side. 100%. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're yep. going to get into a discussion about touchscreen tech in particular for Good. healthcare workers. Good, Yeah. We've got Catherine Cummings from ELO we joining do. us today we to, do. to talk about this. We're going to talk a little bit about that customer-facing side yes, and how that can actually benefit the workers as well. Yes. And then we're going to get into some of the actual use cases yep. for touchscreens for the workers and their day-to-day -day work, especially yep. on the administrative side, the yep. clinical side. Uh, and in various ways that it can be deployed that maybe maybe our folks don't think about as often. You know, maybe they go in thinking like, oh, I just want to sell some check-in, you know, screens or something right. like that. But maybe yeah. there's a lot more opportunity to sell touch screens in healthcare. And can I throw her a curveball or two and we can talk just generally you, about some things? You can. Okay. Uh, I know you like to do that sort of thing. I, Catherine's probably I can do sweating that with right Catherine now. because she's awesome. <laughs> you That's say why. that. Yeah. All right. Well, all that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned today, our guest, we've got a great one here. Catherine Cummings is the director for the healthcare vertical at ELO. Uh, someone who just knows as much as there is to possibly know about the healthcare space. In the practitioner. She was a practitioner. Exactly. That's why yeah. she knows so much Exactly, about which it, right? I think is, yeah. is great. Someone who gets it because, hey, I lived this world. That's I right. know what I needed as a practitioner. Right. Yeah. And then apply that to our side of things, Bingo. too. So yeah. someone we should definitely be talking to. So, yeah. Catherine, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. Tell us a little about yourself. You maybe give us a little more on that background history in healthcare yourself and what's your day-to-day -day role at, at ELO like these days? Absolutely. Thanks for the introduction. You guys pretty much said everything already, but um, hello, my name is Catherine Cumming. I'm the director of healthcare for ELO Touch Solutions. I have more than 10 years of experience working in healthcare. And as you guys said, I actually started my career as a clinician working as a nurse in the intensive care unit. Um, so I know what that workflow looks like. I know what um, kind of that facility experiences like as a clinician and, you know, really for a patient as well. And uh, really excited to talk to you guys today. Um, day to day for me is different. You know, I, I get to do fun stuff like this. I get to talk to 
a lot of our VARs. I get to talk to end users, customers, and a lot of our software partners as well as we're creating these um, collaborative solutions that really work well in the healthcare space. So thanks guys for having me. Absolutely. Definitely. And again, I love that idea that you, you've, you've lived in this world, which means you're, you're going to know some of the pain points that healthcare workers have, some of the things they wished they had that they don't, that maybe we can speak to here. Yes. So, well, then let's get this started. And I, you know, and I, as I mentioned up front, we talk a lot in healthcare about the the kind of patient customer facing side of things, when it, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to touchscreen technology or digital mm-hmm. signage technology. We talk about like patient check in, wayfinding, information. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it tends to be a very customer centric conversation. Yep. I feel, which is important, definitely. Right. You know, because we as consumers and as customers are used to, again used that stuff in our day to day lives. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. We like the idea. I love the last time I took my son to the eye doctor. I was able to do all the whole check in on a screen. Didn't have to talk to anybody didn't have yep. to you know, spend time in line or mm-hmm. anything. I like that kind of stuff. But so before we get into maybe some of the more specific uses, you know, maybe behind the scenes for medical staff and clinicians, let's talk about that patient-facing stuff. How does deploying those kind of solutions for patients, for the customers, how does that end up benefiting the workers on the back end as well? That's a great question. So, you know, one of my soapboxes that I like to talk about is, um, you know, the patient experience is becoming more like a hospitality experience. Patients are wanting more and more often to have interactions with technology that are similar to the interactions that they have with technology in their own home. Everybody has some some sort of smart device. Everybody is used to touch technology in some way in their personal life. And, you know, kind of bringing that into a care experience is a really, it's honestly a pretty seamless transition. Um, The things that, you know, we've kind of seen, you know, as the the healthcare market has started to reemerge after the COVID-19 crisis, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, um, is we've really seen technology products or projects rather be evaluated more seriously on the touch side because people want more interaction. People want to have more connectivity. um, And we're really seeing an increase um, in the patient experience or an improvement in the patient experience because clinicians or other staff members in the hospital now have time to spend with patients rather than having to go in and, you know, take um, orders at the bedside for what they want for food or, um, you know, discharge instructions have gotten a little bit more simple when you're doing multiple discharges or um, multiple family members, you're reiterating a lot of things over and over again. You're able to kind of streamline these things, the patient infotainment at the bedside so people can ask, access their Netflix account, which makes the experience better. And then the ability to do self-service, bill pay, all of those things just frees up a lot of clinician time or a lot of um, resources in the hospital to provide that kind of more one-on-one care, uh, which patients are really wanting. They want that interaction. Absolutely. So let's dig in there a little bit on the clinician part. And and I apologize if I get some of the wording wrong (laughs) of of what to call folks that work in the healthcare environment. But uh, so, you know, one of the things that we, and we had a healthcare summit that Catherine was a part of, and it was awesome because I learned so much more about the tech that's happening Mm -hmm. in, in healthcare. Um, let's talk a little bit about enabling, right, the staff, the healthcare staff, and facilitating their day to day. You were just t- uh, kind of hitting the, the the tip of the iceberg, maybe there a little bit, Catherine. But but they, these folks are being tasked with doing more and more on their daily mission, right? I mean, not it's not just go in and check temperature and stuff like this. We, really, there's a need to enable those healthcare workers with a variety of things. Uh, and, and tapping into the ERP systems like Epic or something like that, where they can glean information. For example, I'll give you a use case that we were talking about at, at the summit. There was a company called Am- 
ambient that was really into sepsis control and, and enabling the communication to those practitioners or mm -hmm. those clinicians that need to know if somebody's getting into a sepsis state and things of this nature. So how do you do that? Well, you got to send warnings on devices and, right, and right. things like that. So it's like we're, we're trying to write. So I'll just go back to my statement. We're trying to enable these folks that are providing the care with the information they can. You need a touch screen or something like that to enable multiple windows, multiple tabs, stuff like that. What are your thoughts there? Is that kind of where this is all leading to? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, something that I, I think is really important for every lay person to understand, lay person being anyone who's not a clinician or working in a facility, is that in some way, clinicians, nurses, doctors, CNAs, um, PTs, anyone that's working in the hospital, they're in some way a data collector, right? Um, we're gathering data all day to put into the electronic health record, the electronic medical record. And sometimes because you are overloaded with tasking, you're, you have to do so many tasks that you can't always look at the data big picture and figure out necessarily what's going on in one go. So when we have these technologies, um, like the one you mentioned, that kind of streamline these processes so the clinicians can, um, you know, when they're entering this data, there can be an alert that comes up that helps them manage all of the, you know, hundreds of thousands of data pieces for each patient um, that are in the system. It, it really helps the clinician provide a, not just the better experience for the patient, but better care in general. Um, so I do think that that's going to be really what we see moving into the future is this kind of streamlined process, this more efficient process as these clinicians are collecting data maybe you know it's eliminating a little bit of that human error that we do see sometimes in the medical field um, and allows us to really um, take much better care of our patients because we have another tool helping us. Another area I kind of wanted to explore with you is what I don't know if, again, I don't know that my phraseology is correct here, but uh, we're all, you know, we, we there was a lot of dialogue about how a lot of people were becoming caregivers. Now, mm -hmm. uh, Catherine, I'm pivoting to like at home folks, right? We're yeah, like, please. you know, like my mom, I, I'm not there yet, but, you know, somewhere in the near future, I'm probably going to have to be somewhat of a caregiver to her, right? right? right. And, and there's a lot of talk about how technology is starting to enable that through telehealth and remote monitoring, things like that. What is your commentary there? I mean, not just on the touchscreen, because we did dive into, you know, maybe some of these solutions are going to be like a device is sent to right, the home, right? right? And it's, it's more than just an iPad. It right. is a purpose-built device that can enable caregiving remotely, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. it'll have built on it applications and stuff like that. And it'll be, the UI will be acceptable to an older person right. that's not trying to navigate through these little menus right. and stuff like better that. connectivity better connectivity in interactivity with you know medical devices potentially for sure yeah. for yeah. sure so let's talk that angle a little bit what are some things that you're seeing there uh, you know as far as at home caregiving remote monitoring type of things yeah and we are seeing that as we speak you know we have um, a lot of tools for patients who have congestive heart failure um, you know monitoring blood pressure monitoring weight things like that. We have a lot of telehealth solutions that are available. There's a lot of applications on things like tablets that um, we're seeing in the healthcare space to help people manage the aging population. You know, just bottom line, we have an aging population all over the world. We have, you know, one of our largest generations that are kind of passing into that um, older adult stage of their life. And uh, we're going to need more caregivers in the home. So 
I think that that is something that's recognized um, with a lot of software providers in, in the medical space, and they're trying to address that need. And, you know, like I kind of mentioned, the clinicians are data collectors in some capacity, right? And I think we're going to be seeing more of that in home. How are we advocating um, for our at-home caregivers, for them to, you know, have some sort of data collection tool for their loved ones? How are we um, managing health? Are we managing medications? Are we managing conditions? Things like that. And um, really, how are we providing that at-home education to the caregivers that may not be well-versed in, you know, medical terminology, medical lingo, um, so that they can, when they're going in to see their um, parents' physicians with their parent, that they can actually have a conversation with them that's, you know, educated and they're at their, they know what questions to ask. And, you know, that's something that I think uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the next, you know, five, 10 years. And I guess one of the things you touched on already was be wearables, right? Like there's Absolutely. devices kind of connecting that to your devices, right? If there's an ELO handheld or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and connecting these devices. So I think there was a lot of talk, at least at the summit, about these types of holistic solutions and, and enabling, again, at-home caregivers. Because I, I like the way you're putting it, Catherine. And I never really quantified it that way in my mind that caregivers are data collectors. <laughs> you know, they're they're part of the data collection scheme right, that, is, right. that is helping to enable the right prognosis and all and, you know all the things that come with general good health, right? Yeah, general definitely. good care. Yeah. So really interesting stuff that's happening. Yeah, there. I agree. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's also it's fascinating when you go back to this idea of this whole self-service and how that can benefit the mm. workers, too. Is right. That, well, I feel like we talk a lot in healthcare, and we still we we still seem like we're way too far off from getting there. But this idea of the universal health record of mm. keeping track of you know what's happening in one place versus mm-hmm. another place, mm-hmm. and while I feel like we're still far too far away from that being as universal as it should be, especially if you live in an area like an urban area where there's a lot of different healthcare providers and different choices. You know, where we live around here, we tend to have like one or two major systems right. that yeah. we're probably tying into almost anytime mm-hmm. we go somewhere. But, you know, and, and there's many places where maybe you don't have that option. And mm-hmm. so you might visit one provider for one thing one oh, day, sure. yeah. another a different day. They're not talking to each other. Complete yeah. disconnect. So I, I, if anything, at least the self-service aspect allows to put a little bit of power back into the consumer hands. Because I mean, obviously no one knows how you're feeling and what you're going through, what you're dealing with better than you do, mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. You know, the doctors will have potentially some diagnosis and terminology for it and help, hopefully can help you. But you know what's actually going on with you. So I think it's very helpful when you can give someone the opportunity like when they're checking in or, you know, whatever it is, whatever point, whether it's online, whether it's at the facility, to talk about what's happening to them, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. Make sure that all their records and information is accurate and up to date so that you're not hope just relying on what you hope is floating around somewhere in the Netherlands, <laughs> reaching each of the, your providers. So, I, I'm, you know, at least if, if we're not going to get to that point where we feel like there's this real universal record, at least we can take a little bit of charge ourselves because I feel comfortable with that when I get to do like my online check-in for the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I help my mom out with this a lot, too. When sure. she goes in, I'm always, I fill out that pre-check-in survey of, like, here's what she's dealing with right now. Here's what's going on. The kind of stuff that, you know, she may not remember or that, again, just may not be filtering to the right people. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like this idea of being able to do that. And I have to think, well, for the healthcare side, for the worker side, that's only more information that can be useful for them and help them in their job, too. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's in the flow of data. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let me translate that. What, what John's really <laughs> looking for, and maybe you can help here, Catherine, he's looking for like an ELO device that's a Swiss Army knife of healthcare <laughs> stuff that, that he can just take home and write it'll administer oh, there you go. Yeah. WebMD on it and all that good stuff. Yeah. I'm sure that brilliant folks at ELO are working on that behind the scenes. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he brings up a really good point about this um, concept of what we call interoper- interoperability or the ability to kind of connect um, different charts or medical charts with different hospital systems and across state lines and everything. Um, and, you know, that is, a, that is a problem in healthcare right now is there is always the conversation around interoperability, but we're not quite there yet. Um, and the ability to access your chart as a patient and kind of be an advocate for your own health, I think, is a really important aspect of that. And I do know that there's a lot of hospitals that are having um, conversations with VARS about having some sort of not just self-check-in kiosk, but the ability for patients to actually access their chart, too, in that format, which is a really excellent tool, I think, especially if you know, you want to see a doctor that's not necessarily going to have all of your results faxed over. So you might be able to pull those results, get them sent over, print them out, anything like that, um, you know, directly at that facility, which is a really fantastic tool. Yeah, definitely. And diving a little bit more into, and my word here, retailing of healthcare, you called it something different, right, Catherine? It's, I mean, you're really kind of hitting the nail on the head. It's it's kind of that hospitality. Right, there you um, go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Where, it's a little bit of a friendlier term than retail. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it. That's the same thing. But it's to the but concept of yes. you know our human experience right, and right. the behaviors and what we're coming to expect right. with technology, especially when we walk into a healthcare right. facility. And and I can see that there's a lot of that happening. I, I mean, the patient room, right? If I'm going to be spending time in there, I'm expecting that to be somewhat uh, analogous to what I would be at home. Right. right. And I, I got to imagine that's a real challenge for healthcare facilities because there's not a lot of ROI at least you know that's that's a soft ROI maybe right it's not like whatever they it's hard to gauge I I know customers see what I'm saying yeah you you know patients can fill out the surveys and I know that's a very important that's important absolutely but but you're right yeah there's a kind of an intangible Mm -hmm. how do you gauge whether someone feels comfortable and secure and feels like they're in good hands with their health care. You know, it's not, yeah, there's not a, there's not a real measuring stick mark for that, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So what are the things you talk about, Catherine, when you're in those conversations with healthcare entities talking about how touch can enable these or, or the overall customer experience? Are those some of the arguments that you're making that, you know, even though the ROI might be a little hard to prove? I mean, in some way, the ROI is, the ROI is not hard to prove, right? Because we always talk about length of stay as part of the conversation. And that's an that's a um, data point that these hospitals are looking at. So when you have somebody who's recovering in the hospital after you know a really intense surgery, and they're getting their vital signs checked frequently, they're getting woken up frequently during the night because of alarms going off. They're not getting restful sleep, which means they're probably not healing quickly, right? And something we talk about: oh, you need to sleep, you need to rest, all of that, you know. And then we come in every. You know, half hour and, and bother the patient with something. I'm sure we've all experienced that at some point, right? Um, to provide an environment where the patient feels relaxed, comfortable, um, like they you know can kind of sleep in a way that's similar to their their home setting, can actually allow us to you know maybe intangibly um, say that ROI might be better because you know they're able to get more restful sleep. They're able to be um, more prepared for, say, physical therapy the next day. Um, we have the ability to maybe show them their care plan for the day on a digital whiteboard, a touchscreen device, a digital whiteboard in the patient room. So they kind of know what to expect throughout the day as opposed to, you know, just kind of being bombarded constantly and feeling um, a lot of stress and anxiety, I think, that a lot of patients experience when they're 
in the hospital. So there's a little bit more certainty. Uh, there's a little bit more safety there as well. And you know, we also have things like the ability to monitor patients more closely if they are a fall risk, you know, with some sort of camera in the room as opposed to having a sitter there watching them all the time. Um, so I really do think that that can help increase ROI because we're allowing more restful sleep. We're maybe able to allocate resources slightly differently, like not having a sitter at the bedside necessarily because we have a camera monitoring a patient the entire time. And then really hopefully decreasing length of stay. True. Oh, good good point. Yeah, yep. definitely. Well, then let's let's start talking a little bit more about the back of the house and, and especially where touchscreen tech comes in here. So, you know, obviously nurses, doctors, other clinical staff, they they prefer touchscreen monitors or we assume we want them to prefer touchscreen monitors <laughs> uh, over, you know, for their computing over the traditional desktops, laptop computing. Um, but, you know, why is that? Why do they, you know, why do you feel that they enjoy touchscreens more and it's more useful for them? And, and to that matter also, they're like, let's talk about the touchscreens themselves in this kind of back of house environment. Mm. You know, will any touchscreen do? Is there something in particular they should be looking for or using on the healthcare side? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of, uh, of things that they should be looking for. Um, the first thing that they should be looking for is how are they cleaning these devices? Are the devices that they're looking at compatible with all of the typical hospital grade cleaners that are, you know, that they have access to? Because if you're going to be touching anything in the healthcare environment, you want to make sure that you can properly clean it, right? So that's something that we regularly have conversations with customers about with any of our touch technology. Um, and, you know, on our website, it says the different types of wipes, the healthcare grade wipes that you can use on our touch technology, which... I believe are all of them. Um, I, I'll uh, I'll fact check that. I'll send that out to you to send out with the the link to the podcast as well if you'd like. Um, but you know that's a really important thing. If you're touching anything, you want to be able to wipe it down. Um, the next thing that we that we have conversations around is you know what types of devices are they interacting with on their day in their day to day life. And this is something I brought up a little bit earlier. People are always using their smartphone. They're they're so used to using some sort of touch technology that it's almost second nature to a lot of people. So if they can easily go from room to room with some sort of mobile cart with touch technology and quickly pull up information on their patient, maybe a chest x-ray, maybe their labs, things like that really quickly, then um, we have the ability to increase the efficiency of physician workflow, right? So we're having all these conversations, not just about, you know, touch technology, but how are we integrating touch technology with different things? What about RFID, right? Um, you know, does when the physician walks in the room, does it automatically log them in and pull up the patient's chart, things like that to make it a little bit easier for the physician? Um, are we having things at the bedside like the digital whiteboards where they can actually pull up the chest x-ray on a large format screen and have the patient see what's going on with their pneumonia, right? Um, it's, it's really improving that workflow, improving that care journey that the patient is experiencing. Um, and so the, the conversations we really have is really about improving the workflow for the clinicians. And um, I didn't really mention this earlier, but something that I always like to, to kind of talk about is we have two customers, right? We have our patient as their end user, but we also have our clinicians. And if our clinicians don't like using the technology, that's a huge problem. We want to make something for the clinicians, not just for the patients that they like using, and that helps them with their workflow and helps them with their efficiency. 
being, I, I can see that being a huge yeah, factor yeah. because, uh, you know, we've all experienced it and you lived it, uh, Catherine. But when you walk by a, like a nurse's station, don't you always feel a bit of like an aura around? There? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like walking by NASA's command central. <laughs> it's like you don't want to mess with anything that's happening no, there. Because, but no. there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of screens. Yep, I can yep. see the use case there for te- touch technology. Right. Like, can we whittle these five screens down to like one right. that we can navigate different yep. tabs and, well, and like move ha- the stuff? around and you have to think too as you know as, as younger generations get into this workforce and become the predominant you know part of the healthcare workforce again they've all grown up with with touch screens they've all mm-hmm. grown up with mobile devices in their hands at all times they're very used to it sure i have to think it just it, again this goes back to what i'm always railing about here like how hard is it going to be for that person if you sit them down at a bank of computers that none of which has touch screens everything is very antiquated you know by by comparison to them and the technology they're used to, like it would feel like a huge step backwards. I could see them like reaching up and be like, "What? Why can't I scroll this? What's what's going? Oh, yeah. th- a mouse? What? Seriously? What? Yeah. Is that like, a joystick? What yeah. Is, what is that? A typewriter? <laughs> what are you doing there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just to kind of emphasize your point, you know, a lot of malls have huge, large screen devices now, and it might be for wayfinding, it might be for advertising. But how often have you walked up to one of those in the last year? and touched it. Guilty. Guilty right? I am. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've done like, that a couple times. Screen, yes, right? I'm frustrated. It's like, like, ding, 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 ding. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's something that we're so used to that now, right? And that's part of, like, our everyday is, does you know, does it have touchscreen capabilities? We're always kind of looking out for that. Um, and, you know, even on my laptop, I'm like, oh, it's not touchscreen. Okay, it's just, you know. But that's something that we, um, that we're so used to now. I think it's part of our daily life is that touch technology. I like the example of the whiteboard bedside. I can see that as being a huge advantage, in all seriousness, of being able to draw, you know, here's what's going on, whether it's an x-ray, whether it's whatever, right? right. and and being able to draw on it, point out what the issues are. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it gets to the whole point, I guess you were talking about, Catherine, about, you know, patient comfort comes through a little bit of that comes through knowledge and understanding information transfer uh you know being a patient that's always the thing you're worried about you know am i getting the right information do i understand what the doctor or the clinician is trying to tell me but illustrating that you know i can see whiteboarding being a huge advantage yeah that's awesome yeah i like that all right well hey let's no go ahead no you're fine I was just going to emphasize too that you know a big obstacle that we that we experience in as a clinician is discharging patients and having the patient not quite understand you know they only hear a certain percentage of the information so being able to record a discharge and discharge instructions for a patient um, have it maybe on that digital whiteboard and then have whoever is picking them up also listen to those discharge instructions so that you're here you're having multiple people hear the same thing that's something that they always recommend especially for older adults as they're you know they go to the doctor with somebody get your instructions with somebody because two people are going to maybe hear two different things um, and you know just creating that better patient experience by communicating better is really important Good definitely point. yeah hard to agree well then let's let's kind of wrap things up here on this whole touch screen front of 
outside of the clinical work because mm. there's plenty we we know there's plenty of opportunities mm-hmm. for touch screens in a lot of different industries and places but mm-hmm. in in the healthcare environment and whether it's a in a hospital a you know a medical facility um, you know your local doctor's office whatever there's going to be plenty of other opportunities to incorporate touch screens so tell us about some of those where are touch screens being used maybe behind the scenes in healthcare that you know it's not necessarily the day-to-day work of the clinicians it's not necessarily customer facing but it's still out there and in use where else are you seeing this stuff Yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of touched on a couple of things. I'll just reiterate really quickly. So there's that self-service aspect, right? Where the patient's going in, they're checking in maybe to their outpatient procedure. They can do bill pay. They can do things like that. Um, There's also, um, you know, that bedside um, patient experience with that digital experience with a digital whiteboard, maybe the patient infotainment, providing some sort of instructional guides, things like that. Um, We also have the ability for, for um, nurses, doctors, clinicians, uh, assorted clinicians to chart on touchscreen devices, whether it's on a medical cart or whether it's mounted to a wall or whether it's a tablet of some sort, a small tablet for them to chart on. Some other areas that we're actually seeing, though, that I wanted to mention is this ability to um, kind of track what's going on in the hospital, like tracker boards, right? And we're seeing that a lot in our ORs. So what cases are coming up? Is the room clean? Who's the, the um, attending surgeon that's going to be doing the procedure? And the reason that's so crucial is because churn rate is really important in hospitals for them to get um, more money, right? The, uh, the surgical procedures are how most hospitals make a lot of their revenue. So being able to you know, churn patients out quickly but safely is really important and having um, that kind of data collection for how quickly they're able to turn around rooms, clean rooms, things like that is, is also really important. They're also, uh, we're also seeing that a little bit um, on the, um, the AV services, not the AV services, the EV services teams where they, they have a board that shows a patient maybe was discharged from a room. Does it need a terminal clean? What type of clean does it need? How quickly are they able to flip those rooms? And then this um, communication tool for moving patients throughout the hospital as well. Where are the patients located? Are they being moved from the emergency department to another department? Um, and really, what you know, triage, triage services, things like that. How are they keeping track of these patients um, in a HIPAA compliant way, um, where we can understand um, how quickly patients are getting in and out of the emergency room, how quickly they're getting um, discharged? All of those things that can be tracked and followed um, through that patient journey. And going back to the virtual health, I think there's applications. I, I know you were asking totally. back a house, but you know, kind of in a back a house way. If you're mm-hmm. if you're thinking about a physician who's now getting being asked more and more to do telehealth, well, what do you want that physician doing it on? Like a little rinky dink, right. uh, you know, right. whatever kind of. <laughs> A tablet from that they got that was right. used at home and the kids abandoned and now they bring it in. No, you want something that's like purpose built, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, there's, I think there's good opportunities there when you get into, you know, again, purpose built device. Of course, ELO has all kinds of screens that can do that, but they also have virtual health options with uh, webcam, uh, Edge Connect, right? Webcam type things. So uh, th- th- I think there's some opportunities yeah. there as well. So you're saying if I'm doing home health, I shouldn't be using my son's little you blue can. Kindle thing? You can. You know? But you don't want your physician or uh, whoever you're that's talking to yeah. to be right, on this right. rinky-dink little <laughs> thing, right? No, well, you, you know, yeah. also in long-term care, in nursing homes, all of that, 
you know, we see a lot of um, those facilities, facilities, they don't have specialists on staff. They might have attendings on staff, things like that. But think about an infectious disease physician. They're not going to be on staff at a nursing home. They're probably going to go to six nursing homes in a day and check on the patients there. So this gives them a little bit more flexibility to maybe check on how their patients are doing in more remote locations. It gives them the ability, you know, remote hospitals, rural hospitals, the ability to call in specialists to look at interesting cases or cases that they're not able to to treat adequately with the the staff that's currently available um, because they don't have a specialist. So that's, you know, just another um, thing to think about. And then also too, you know, communication tools are really important in healthcare and if um, a patient it speaks another language or maybe their ASL, anything like that, um, we need to make sure that we have tools for them that like, you know, a visual tool where they have uh, somebody that they can talk to about their healthcare experience or, you know, their diagnosis, anything like that. So, you know, not just telehealth, but communication too. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to shout out a couple other little places here too that where you, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of these are going to sound like what you might be able to find in just any old business, frankly, in mm-hmm. a lot of businesses where you might have a touchscreen use, mm-hmm. but stuff like employee and vendor check-in. So it oh, could yeah. be, you know, when your when your employees are showing up for work and they yep. need to check in, maybe they use a touchscreen to do that. Absolutely. Uh, if like you a, have, a like a check-in kiosk. Yeah, exactly. If you have thing, yeah. external vendors that are coming in, which I'm, you know, for in sure. hospitals, I'm sure there's always people coming in and out that are bringing stuff in. Great way to have them check in and out is it maybe yep. have some kind of a self-service kiosk. Uh, HR and employee engagement. Uh, you know, a lot of HR departments in big businesses and corporations, you know, might, if there's a lot of people that are always churning in and out, a lot of people coming in for interviews, a lot of people are coming in to, um, you know, to check on their, their status of their, you know, um, their employment mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe need to check on their benefits or something, you know, open enrollment type stuff. A lot of HR departments will have self-serve kiosks to do a lot of that stuff for mm-hmm, them as well. Mm-hmm. Room management, I know, you know, Catherine kind of mentioned this idea of, you know, being able to check, you know, which ones need to be cleaned and yep. whatnot. Yep. But What's maybe happening? also just, you know, mm-hmm. do I need to reserve a room? Status, like, in, reservation, in a, yeah, you know, sure. If, if somebody's, you know, in, in a hospital, like say in a large hospital or whatever, if mm-hmm. they have corporate offices in there, you know, where, you know, board meetings and staff meetings might be mm-hmm. taking place. You can reserve, potentially reserve rooms, see what's in use from a touch screen. And then also, you know, every, almost every hospital has some sort of like a cafeteria, a gift shop, a pharmacy typically. Ah, the point, point of, of sale. sale. There you go. You know, yes. That, that's again, more opportunities for touch screens there. So, you know, it's one of these things I just want people to think about, like, you know, if you're think if you're trying to approach a healthcare, you know, uh, um, facility or, you know, some a member of the healthcare, you know, society that you're working with or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out how can I get touch screens in and maybe you don't have the angle or maybe there's resistance to some of this other stuff we've been talking about. There probably is something you can get into mm-hmm. to maybe at least get a starting point and a, and a foothold to show off what this kind of technology can do yeah. and then hopefully expand it into the, the really cool stuff yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Anything I missed there, Catherine, any other places, you know, that that people might not think of to use touchscreens in healthcare? Um, Something that I've actually seen quite frequently recently is not just in the cafeteria, but they have self-service kiosks for checkout for um, doctors and nurses in a, like a separate cafeteria area. So someone can go and quickly grab a sandwich and check out uh, with their badge maybe. Um, So it kind of is another aspect of self-service, that point of sale piece. Um, And it really helps you know, between shifts when you have five minutes to go grab food, 
right? Um, you can do that quickly and you don't have to wait in line. You can just use a self-service checkout for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, we we're just getting John closer to the world he wants of <laughs> self-service everywhere, right? Just never have to, if I can just go an entire day where I don't have to speak to anybody <laughs> and self-service, right, just yes. self-service everything, I'll be happy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I promise I'm not that misanthropic. <laughs> maybe, maybe somewhat, but not quite. All right. Well, hey, before we wrap things up with our value to the VAR here, uh, I want to, as always, thank our Tech Connect sponsors Absolutely. who support the show, of which like Elo, Elo is one. Yes, mm-hmm. Elo has been very supportive of our podcast and our Tech Connect program in general. So thank you, and thank you for lending us, Catherine, today. Uh, as always, uh, if you like the show and you want to hear more, first of all, I'm going to say, uh, if you want to hear a little bit more about this topic with some really smart people in our mm-hmm. industry, uh, I hosted a, um, a webinar that Catherine was involved in. Ah, um, that's with, right. With some folks, I think, from Intel, and um, I can't remember who else we had on Howard Industries, I believe. I will drop the link in the show notes to that. Nice. So, I, you know, I recommend checking it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's an on-demand webinar. You can watch it anytime, but you'll get even some more insight into this whole realm of touchscreens in healthcare and how that can benefit us. So cool. definitely check that out. Of course, if you like the show, if you have the opportunity, please leave us a five-star rating review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're watching on YouTube. Like this video, leave us a comment. Make sure you're subscribed to our channel. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button, as yes, the kids sir. say. Uh, and as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, uh, let us know what you think about the show. Give us your thoughts and feedback. You can find us, as always, on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us anytime, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here with, first of all, our value to the VAR. This is our way of kind of giving a little takeaway to our VAR audience. As always, there's a lot of great little nuggets of stuff hopefully you Mm -hmm, found out of this episode. mm -hmm. But let's give us a takeaway right now. So I know healthcare can be a tricky monster to kind of tackle. There's there's a a lot of people competing for a lot of money and a lot of opportunities there. Oh, it's just a small fraction of the overall economy. Yeah, yeah, you know. A third or something like that. Yeah, So, Catherine, what kind of questions should VARs be asking their healthcare customers if they're wanting to uncover touchscreen opportunities or any of these kind of other opportunities we've talked about, is there a particular people they should be talking to? You know, where would you recommend if you were a VAR approaching a, a local healthcare system and wanted to to get into touchscreens with them, where would you start? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, the first thing that I would always recommend is connecting with the um, electronic health record, or electronic medical record provider to see, you know, what conversations they've maybe had with the health system about um, expanding opportunities with different software functions, right? So that's that's a really important aspect. Um, I'd also reach out to your um, software providers that provide things like self-service check-in um, that provide that um, the ability to do the bedside infotainment or the digital whiteboard space. Um, they might have connections already in that hospital. They might already be pitching to them. Um, but as far as in the hospital itself, the conversations that you're going to have are going to be with the um, the uh, the architecture team for the IT. Um, a lot of them are going to be in charge of a lot of clinical project projects that are going on throughout the entire system. They're going to understand what the budget looks like, especially in the next five years, and what the hospital is planning on doing to digitize the facility. Because all of the hospitals that I've been speaking to in the last year have plans to do that, right? Who are the main stakeholders? You're going to talk to not just the IT team, but you're going to want to talk to a lot of the um, the directors or nursing 
uh, managers for the long-term care units. So think bone marrow transplant. When those patients are there for a long time, they want to provide a really excellent um, customer service to those patients, cancer patients, um, transplant patients, anyone who's going to be there for a long time. ICU is also a really great area to have those conversations with because you have families a lot of the time at the bedside that are, you know, having a hard time, having some sort of um, additional tools for them, digital tools will be really helpful in making them feel connected to the actual care plan and the care team. Um, other people I'd have conversations with are going to be your CTO and um, CFOs of the hospital. Those are kind of obvious as well as the CIOs too, because those are ultimately going to be your decision makers. And if I were a VAR, I would throw the question back on me, meaning what do I know about the healthcare space yeah. and what am I building in my ecosystem to enable this? Because I think Catherine just tept, uh, touched on it there where, you know, there's decisions being made, right? right, right. There are things on the whiteboard, if you will, of the technology that's going to be implemented. And if you're working in healthcare today, who's a part of your ecosystem that can enable some of these things maybe that touch would enable? And if you don't have a good answer to that, I do. Go to Catherine <laughs> In ELO because right. they have a fantastic ecosystem of software providers yep. and the like that are working in this space and can and understand how to connect the dots and bring players together yeah. with some of these larger systems like you know that bolt onto Epic or something like that that is going to provide a particular solution yeah. somewhere along the line. So you know, be introspective as well and say, well, how can I enable this? Where where do I need to build out my ecosystem uh, to drive some yep. incrementally new business there? There I you agree. go. Yeah. I think it comes down to, you know, like you said, the partnerships angle is a huge one. Yep. Understanding like most likely when you go into these kind of situations, you're, they're going to be looking to you for a full solution. So oh, 100%. it's not just, like you said, exactly. it's not just bolt on stuff. It's not just a random piece of hardware here and there. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an entire solution they're looking to accomplish something mm -hmm. with. So having those partnerships in place ahead of time is, very, is a very smart idea. And I think also kind of what you hinted at too is understanding this buying group of sorts, you know, the, <laughs> the people who are going to be involved in this decision making, because I promise you, it's not one person. You know that I oh, keep. Oh no! That, you think a healthcare is making <laughs> multiple people in the decision-making process? There's gonna be a lot of people involved. Holy moly! They're yeah. all gonna have a billion different ideas about what they want to accomplish. Lots of cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. Yes. And yes. like we've preached on this show many times, getting in there early as possible, talking to the people and knowing what their pain points are, and understanding who they are and what's gonna For motivate sure. them. Yeah. That's good stuff to do ahead of time. And and again, it's that idea of look, we're looking long term. There's no expectation that you're gonna get a solution in overnight. And make a million dollars off of your your local hospital system. You know, you're, it's it's a long term play, and the sooner you're having these conversations, especially about future tech, the better. Hundred so. percent. Yep, no doubt. All right. Well, hey, this was this was good stuff. Like I said, this is kind of takeaways that I love to give. I loved all those <laughs> the, the folks to talk to there. So if you're if you're not listening to anything else, you should have been listening to that part. Rewind and go back if you missed any of this. Uh, let's wrap things up as always with our favorite fun segment, though. What's tech connecting with you? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, innovation that has our attention, has caught our eye, something mm -hmm. we're, we're reading about, interested in. So, Catherine, I'll let you start. What's tech connecting with you right now? So, I actually just spoke to an interesting software partner the other day who's trying to streamline in healthcare the process of um, not just not the check-in, but the actual data collection when you're going back and getting the height, weight, all of that. And I was so astonished that someone had thought about the clinicians when they were when they were making this tool that I was just like, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what this company does. And, and I'm excited to see um, more software partners think about clinicians when they're actually designing tools. 
I know, revolutionary, it. right? Like who's going to be using <laughs> yeah. this? What? The people that are actually doing the work? We should pay attention to them. That's a good one. Uh, yep, yeah, we like we like tech connecting that is enabling that experience because it's not just the patient experience. Come on, it's the clinician. You know the people that are doing this this hard work. That's right. They deserve it as well. Man, oh man. All right, here's my tech connecting okay. with you. NASA successfully launches Capstone CubeSat. Did you hear about this thing? I don't think it's I did. It's a microwave-sized space probe and route to the moon's orbit uh, to experiment. Uh, so it aims to creating an orbital lunar space station someday. Did you know that NASA was working on this? I had heard hints about that, but I know we were close to like actually making yes, it, or at least yes. like getting started on that reality. Uh-huh. So it's a little 55-pound thing that's right. going to be, you know, that's it's kind of exploring the beginnings of how we're going to explore doing a little space station around there, But w- which is all cool and all. But then did you hear about China? Did you? <laughs> what are they up to? Well, I think they want to take over the moon. Is is what that the, makes, uh, that what checks this out. Other yeah. article is all about. Like they're, they're going to put a, a legit like space station on. They right, have, they right. have aspirations to like right. put a space station on there. And like the head of NASA was like shading China the other day, like publicly, like <laughs> like you can't do that kind of a thing. And I don't know. So there's this now. There might be a new space race out there. Interesting. Uh, can, getting I into I mean, that. the space race was pretty fascinating. You know, I, I know we've got a. Lot lot of terrestrial well, problems. Elon's going to the Mars. NASA's yeah. going back to the moon. You yeah, know, yeah. what are you doing? And then I, <laughs> you won't go up into space. Catherine, by the way, because we've hey, had this I would, conversation My before. wife just won't let me. <laughs> would you go into space if you had the opportunity? And, and by the way, I think it's down to $250,000 a mirror yeah, for, for a ticket. Yeah. Man, that's, that's a good price. To right? go up in a <laughs> balloon. So would you do that? Would you go into space? You know, as someone who gets car sick, I feel like it probably wouldn't be the best idea. But, you know, you know, you never say never, right? Right? Okay. Yeah, well, I would think yeah. space sickness is a whole different step up. So, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. But then again, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a different kind of motion. Who knows? Maybe you'd be okay with it. So, Well, before we leave space, I got one more for you okay. in space. The next big thing is space sports. Did you realize this? Space sports. Sports. So, oh, space sports. Okay. Yeah, is it space see, we're boards, getting yeah. no sports. Sports. Like okay. Sporting okay. activities that are happening. Yeah. In space. Yeah. So, yeah. So now that you can, anybody in theory, we've can, already had golf on the moon. You know, go, so. right? We've already had golf in the moon. Apparently, people have kicked the soccer ball yeah, yeah. in the International Space yep. Station. But the next, you know, so all this money is being dumped into the travel or the tor- space tourism, I guess. Right. Uh, but now they're calling them astroletes. So like, <laughs> I knew of course you, they are. I knew you would love that one. So Wait, is like, there? Have they left out some vowels? <laughs> like, is it A S T R meets? No, 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 no. It's not. There's no L three three T S. I guess there's no V C going into this. But anyway, that that is a, supposedly the next big thing, and so people are are legitimately trying to figure out because right. sports that you play on Earth won't work in space. Like, well, yeah, I, soccer is like meaningless in in. <laughs> Or football. When you can kick or, the ball and it just goes off or into Or baseball the and you crack the ball and it's yeah, you know, yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, it's like, like literally gone. But so, so they're coming up with new sports and that might. So here's your early indicator. Within the next decade, maybe we'll be watching sports, a sport that is played in space. There you go. Would that not be cool? Well, maybe I can find a space sports team that's actually worth following. I'm like, you know, yeah. our local baseball team at this well, point. So. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so space was tech connecting with me. What's okay. going on with All you? All right, obviously. Yeah. All right, here's a term I just learned today. Agrivoltaics. Whoa, agrivoltaics. Agrivoltaics. It. So it's the idea of growing crops underneath solar panels. Keep going. So basically, like, hey, they, they, you know, 
the the study there was a study that came out of South Korea basically it looked like hey you know we're we're devoting a lot of land to like solar panels around right. the world so there's shade right and you can't there's, grow anything there's shade that, and right. you know there's a lot of shade there's obviously ready access to energy for whatever you might need mm-hmm. so why are we doing something else with that land it's just wasted land underneath otherwise okay well apparently this study in South Korea found that broccoli grows really really well underneath what? solar panels okay and it's not that it grows necessarily a lot better but it's a lot greener it's a dark a darker richer green ah. which is more appealing to consumers and to grocery stores yeah so basically they're kind of approaching you know broccoli farmers and saying hey can we stick up some solar panels and oh, you can hold on hold on Catherine, too. do you like broccoli Catherine? are we eating broccoli i'm a, I'm a huge broccoli fan. Oh, all right yes I like broccoli yeah. too yeah there's more there's more nutrients if it's darker, right? Isn't oh, that what they say? even better. Well, technically no, but that's what they've. That's how they've. <laughs> Are you calling this. a nurse an RN well, nurse just, wrong? Like, I mean, Come on, I was excited. <laughs> like that's the but that's the thing. That's the whole shtick of the whole thing. Is like, oh. people think it's better, so maybe you could potentially even charge higher prices. Higher price for it, yes. Money well, Catherine it. would pay more for uh, yes. Yeah, and apparently the income from solar is ten times that of broccoli. So if you're already a broccoli oh. farmer, why? wouldn't you add this on too because you're just going to make that much more money on top of so it. if you have broccoli fields you're you're paving over air quotes with solar panels yeah you're basically putting it with solar panels above now great you're this, double dipping you know this study has only been on one crop so far and in one region you know we're not sure how this might work in other areas but, i like it but it's something they're exploring I like and some it. farmers have pushed back on it too that have talked about it because they're saying hey it's not going to be easy to to move equipment and farm right. around solar panels, yeah, you know, that's a good even, point. no matter how high they are, it's going to be a little difficult. To I still got to get my John Deere down there somehow. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. but it's still a you know, it's the idea of There's, using a yeah, smart use there. of space, I like you know, it. I instead like of it. just wasting all that ground underneath the solar panels. Just Fair for enough. That. So there you go. Something yeah, something yeah. interesting people are thinking about there. So, <laughs> all right, that is what's tech connecting with us, Catherine Cummings. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And until next time, um, you know, maybe start um, booking your moon vacation. Yes, and, yes. and so you can watch sports. And um, and you know, get your kids to start, you know, planning for their future as a sports. Yes. Sports. You know, no, Astro Elite. Astro Elite. Yes. Astro Elite. All right, I'll get past that one. <laughs> and, uh, and check your broccoli to make sure it's great enough. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Tech Connect Podcast is brought to you by ELO. Well, Dean, if Catherine's rundown of touchscreen tech and healthcare didn't convince you that Elo knows their stuff. Yes, they do. Here's what they offer to enhance patient care anywhere that it matters and nice. everywhere that it matters, too. All right. Uh, Elo offers touchscreen product solutions for a variety of healthcare applications, ranging from nurse stations and patient education to patient check-in and pharmacy checkout, all this kind of stuff we talked about Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Streamline healthcare administration and enhance the patient experience with Elo's versatile solutions. So important. That yes. Is, that patient experience thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very much is. Look, like always, you said it, this grouchy old misanthrope, <laughs> I am a misanthrope, I'm, I said I wasn't before, but now I'm going to say I am, <laughs> right. is always looking for opportunities to do self-service. There you go. Give me all that interactive screens that you can. Other than the doctor themselves. Yes. I still, I still want my still actual, want that guy. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not ready right. for robot doctor, I don't think, yet. No, all right. Mm-hmm. No, I want the actual doctor themselves. Fair enough. So like, for now, at least. Yes. Elo's healthcare solutions include the M50 Android mobile computer, O3 series medical grade monitors, large format signage, all-in-one touch computers, and much more. To learn more, visit Elo's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Blue Star account manager.